Hello, and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Oh, nice. Nice sip. Thanks. I took a little sip of coffee. We're recording in the morning again. I forgot that when we record in the morning, I'm allowed to wear pajamas. So I'm wearing sweatpants. Feeling real good today. I give myself no rules. I, I wear whatever I want. I do like sometimes dressing up for a recording. It feels nice and official. Yeah, I usually do, honestly. I like to get up in the morning and immediately put like real people clothes on, you know, mm. as if I'm like going to go do stuff, even if I'm not. Because it just makes yeah. everything feel like 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 I, I I'm motivated. I've motivated myself via jeans, you know. <laughs> Nothing gets me up like denim. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was Levi's slogan in the '40s. <laughs> Aren't you tired of going to the carpet baggers? <laughs> That's not the '40s. It's like 1810. <laughs> It was a re- it was a re- it was a throwback ad campaign for Levi's. Yeah, time. exactly. <laughs> Come hither, the zeppelins are going nowhere without you. Uh, believe um, it or not, we're not going to be talking about denim all episode, but just for a little <laughs> bit of it. I think I think instead we were thinking about talking about video games. Yeah, uh, this including... is a low fit boot denim podcast. Yeah, boots. For years, I didn't know what the fits meant, so I just got boot fit because I thought it sounded cool. And I was like, why did, Why do my jeans make me look like a Lego man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why do I have, like, straight, no-variant cylindrical denim legs? Anyway, let's talk about video games. You're I right, just you're remember right. being in, like, seventh and eighth grade and also getting boot fit because I was, like, skateboarding a lot. And they would just rip yeah. up the bottom, and I thought I looked right. so cool. You probably did. You skateboarded with them. I just <laughs> wore boot fit with like New Balance sneakers <laughs> <laughs> and like a Nirvana shirt or something. I don't know. A shirt with a joke on it, maybe. Speaking of rock bands and jokes, I hear you've been playing uh, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, which I, I should mention. Uh, I'm an employee of Marvel Entertainment. Everything. I say and do uh, does not reflect the views of my employer. Um, <laughs> we actually we didn't even talk about this like on the show. It was kind of supposed to be like a goofy secret, but we actually did a Patreon episode about this um, where I just yeah. gushed about it for like 30 straight minutes at you because uh, I yeah. like this game a lot um, and I'm excited to hear how you're feeling about it. Yeah, I'm excited to be playing it. I I think it, it's worth noting that when this game came out, it seemed like the the immediate general response was like surprise at how good it was because i think it had like not the best marketing campaign i don't know why it's not like anything like i just think there's sort of an assumption like i still think we have even even post marvel spider-man a a game based on like a big ip like this either a movie or, or a comic book or both in this case like it, it's there's always the question of like what is the game going to provide different from that source material you know Mm -hmm. so i think that spider-man kind of has like a cell inherent to it and that like i want to be able to swing around will this game let me swing around oh cool it does or doesn't i love this right right, i don't like this um and like for decades people were trying to like match the heights of the spider-man to ps2 game and then insomniac's marvel spider-man was like not only like the perfection of that traversal mechanic, but was just an incredible Spider-Man story that was unique to itself. I think it was a testament to a lot, both Insomniac's ability to like, just like flourish their love for making traversal fun, but also like just their narrative chops as well. Like that, that story remains one of my favorite Spider-Man stories, which is saying a lot. Yeah. There are a lot of them. (laughs) Yeah. I I, I think Um, Insomniac is a perfect studio to be working on Spider-Man for exactly that reason, because they've had such a strong focus on traversal 
Universal for such a long time that like exactly. they understand that that is table stakes for Spider-Man, but also that's the thing that comes most naturally to them. So exactly. really like the thing they've always been doing that they feel very confident in was just the bedrock for them to make something great. And they sure did. Exactly. Twice. So I think, yeah, for real, Bo- both Spider-Man and uh, Miles Morales are, are incredible games. But with Guardians, I think the the sell of it is less clear immediately. It's like, okay, what is, what is a Guardians game involved? There's not an inherent mechanic tied to it. Mm-hmm. Really, I think... I I haven't read a lot of Guardians comics. I know them primarily because of the James Gunn films. And I think like I wasn't really interested in like a reverberation of that because a lot of the marketing for the game just felt like, okay, they're going after the vibe of the movies, which like honestly, they probably should because that's like what people sort of want and expect from those characters. But I was like, I don't really I don't want to just watch Guardians again, but have to like shoot bugs in between scenes <laughs> that's not interesting to me yeah but what i realized once i got it and like you really sold me on it a lot of the reviews were really like praising the the narrative of the game especially playing it now i i'm like five chapters in so a good like five hours i guess yeah maybe less you're more. done with like um, the first act i would say that's what i, th- I think there's like, 13 yeah. or 14 chapters total the game is centered around like being a team which sounds like kind of cliche but i think the developers idos montreal with their background with uh, role-playing games and writing around decisions and choices like that is to this game what traversal is to spider-man yeah where, totally like, they so clearly understand like first of all i want to say that i really like how they've how they've chosen to portray these characters i think that it might be just like I don't know. It might be because I've like seen so much of the of the Guardians from the movies that like any variation on that might seem more appealing. But there's there's a part of me that prefers the characterizations in this game to even the movies, which is saying a lot. Cause I think those were obviously iconic performances. Like Groot and Rocket are pretty much exactly what you expect. Like it's hard to really deviate from those characters very yeah. much. You know? Yeah, Groot goes what all the time now. Yeah, yeah Groot and- goes what's up. Hey, baby, I am Groot. (laughs) I gotta make like a tree and leaf. Yeah, he's not... He's not that, and Rocket is is also what you expect. Although I think I'm getting a stronger sense of their friendship early on, which I like. Yeah. So like they're kind of like a they're almost like two sides of each other in a weird way. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that Peter especially I find much more endearing in the game, which I wasn't expecting given his like Macklemore haircut. Um, I think like. He is more pathetic, I think, than he is in the movie. Like, I think that yeah. the way they introduce him without spoiling is him, like, self-consciously looking in a mirror and striking a pose. Right. And it does this sort of um, Uncharted 4 thing where it opens with a flashback and you have the very naughty dog thing where you, like, walk around a room and hold things like like an apple for some reason. <laughs> and you're like, this is not how I hold the postcard, but okay. Um, yeah. You look around and, and like, it starts off where he's like this, you know, preteen kid in the eighties with a mullet and a black guy and a denim jacket. And like, yeah. you know, his mom is like, they have a really affectionate banter. I, I immediately was like more immersed in that story for the first time. Cause um, I haven't seen the movies in a long time, but I think it's more of like, well, yeah, I think the second one goes into it more, but regardless the game itself does a good job of like showing us Peter's origins without staying there too long. It's not like you get all of that and then he goes to space. Like you get a little taste of it throughout the game. And mm-hmm. then it like, we'll just do like a hard cut to what Peter's doing now. 
And I think that hard cut of like him as this sort of kid trying to be someone he isn't to impress no one in the 80s. Yeah. Cutting cutting right to basically the same guy, but now he's in his like, you know, middle-aged phase of his life. It's it to me read as like this character has never given a chance to grow up. Like he's never been able to grow up. Totally. Either because of his own limitations or because of the environment he was thrust in, he is still a a young kid. And I think that that gives him an innocence that excuses his jerkier moments, I think. Like I I get maybe it's cuz of how I'm playing him because it's worth noting you play a Star-Lord kind of akin to how you play Shepard and you're given like there are scenes where characters will be talking and you have like a timed oxenfree-esque dialogue choice decision. Um, and I think that that time decision makes it very immersive because you have to really just like follow your gut and you might say the wrong thing, but like yeah. that's what you felt in the moment. You have to roll with it. And like Oxenfree saying nothing is also impactful in a way as well. Yeah. And then there are also the bigger choices where you're like given time to like really consider what to do yeah and the way i've been playing him it, it it paints peter as a character trying to be better he is both trying yeah. to build the reputation of this of this team that like no one really respects and he's also trying to be a good leader that people depend on so i think that that personal mission i find very I, I am rooting for him in a way I was absolutely not expecting. Mm. And I think playing as him, like initially, again, that was something that everyone was like, what? Like you're, you have a Guardians game and you only play as the least interesting character? Like why is that the thing? <laughs> but I think, again, and what you said in the patron episode, like the game is about being a leader and about kind of building trust with your allies. And in, in combat, you can kind of command them to do attacks, almost similar to the boost attacks in Tales of Arise, where like, you know, Brute will entangle them with vines or rocket will throw bombs or whatever yeah i just think that that part of the game is excellent like the storytelling and the way they portray the characters the environments are beautiful all of that yeah. is i'm like excited stellar. for you to get further because some of the environmental art direction in this game is like the wildest most concept art made real shit i've ever <laughs> seen in a video game i always held destiny to a really high standard for that i feel like bungie has this amazing ability to make everything just look like the concept art almost one-to-one. -one. And this game, just because of the nature of like the cosmic Marvel universe, takes so many creative liberties with spaces that you traverse. It gets wild. And I like, at least so far, I like that the story is more grounded than what we're used to in the MCU, where like everything, every movie is an end of the world crisis. I like that this is really just about reputation and trust. Like that's well, really... Just so well, tight. I, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure it might fall into that, but... I think that at least the focus is about, you know, the relationship between these characters. And I think, honestly, the way it's done mechanically, I would love to see whatever the new Mass Effect is, like, learn from. Mm. So I think that there's something to be said about making decisions where you don't immediately know the consequences. Like, Witcher yes. 3 did that, too. Almost too abstract. Like, you had no idea that, like... <laughs> trusting a tree would result in the death of someone you know it's right, like i don't yeah. know like, how would i have known that so it's a delicate right. balance all that to say there are some caveats here i think that the core combat is like very okay like extremely serviceable and i think that the moments were like in between story beats you just have to like scan the environment and find like a crate for drax to move so you can jump higher like that part of the game is like honestly not very good and it makes everything else like it doesn't 
it doesn't ruin the experience, but because it's not on the same highs as everything else, it feels like kind of a divided experience for me. Where like I love so much of the other stuff, and then when I have to go through that, like it is intertwined in some ways because I think you get like constant banter. There's usually dialogue even in those moments, and the environments are so beautiful that it doesn't feel like a slug, but like. As I play more of it, I'm like, oh, okay, like I really, I really wish like the game part of this was on the same level as the more, well, there, there's gamier aspects to the storytelling as well, but it's, you know, it's more, it's more of an abstract sell than um, in Spider-Man where everything, both narrative and mechanic is built around traversal, weirdly mm. enough, like it all feels so focused. This game feels like I'm getting like, you know, a five-star experience next to, like, a PS2 game I rented. You mm-hmm. know, and, and it doesn't really come together in the way as I was hoping. But all that to say, I think the stuff that is good is good enough to to warrant playing this game. Because I, I really am really, I'm really impressed by all that. On those two points, so one from a combat perspective, I, I think, I kind of see it as something to do in a way, just, like, breaks yeah, stuff up sure. in a sense. Um, I'll also say that on my end, I, I took advantage of the, like, many, many, many accessibility features that are in there and kind of tweaked the difficulty of the combat to make it something that I felt like I was enjoying a lot more than what was just like normal mode. So I I would recommend if you're playing this game and you're like kind of iffy on the combat or you feel like, you know, things aren't punchy enough or you're not punchy enough, et cetera, et cetera. You can tweak pretty much everything about it, which is wonderful. On the other end, I, I kind of know where you're coming from. Like the, you know, scan the environment, pick up a box and drop it is like it's almost too uncharted in a way. Like even yeah. even in Uncharted Lost Legacy, they like dunk on that concept at a certain right, point. Right. Like you, you find a cart that you have to push and they're like, why are we doing this? And they throw like a piece of dynamite <laughs> instead. Um, just like blow yeah. up the wall they're trying to scale. Yeah. I, I feel like this game kind of borrows a little bit too much from like the early Uncharted games in that respect. But also yeah. the thing that makes it okay for me is there's so much writing in this game and the writing is so yes. good. And totally. even in the moments where you're just like running around scanning environment, like if you can't find the thing, et cetera, et cetera, the Guardians will just like constantly make fun of you for not being able to find stuff, which <laughs> I kind of love. Or like if you have a big box that Drax is supposed to pick up and you get Rocket to do it, he'll just like stand right in front of you and just scream at you <laughs> because he's yeah. like, I'm a I'm a small weird woodland creature i'm not gonna pick up this giant box dude which i really appreciate those moments still feel very alive you're right they feel very alive even though they're the weaker part of the game there's writing for like everything that you do like if you want to yeah. go find a collectible someone's gonna make fun of you for going off the beaten path you know like there's um yeah really early on one of the first moments of the game or one of the first like plot beats of the game is you're going to uh the the castle of a person named lady hellbender and while you're on your way there, there's like lightning striking constantly. Yeah. The surface like she lives in this kind of big, almost like cartoonish fantasy, I would say, like fantasy sci fi castle, almost like um the kind of like book you'd find in a bargain bin in, in like a Rite Aid or a pharmacy, like that kind of <laughs> fantasy cover is like what she lives in. And there's lightning striking the entire surface of the planet. So you're trying to not get struck by lightning and everybody's just sprinting. But if you like take your time to go and look for collectibles in that point, everybody just screams at you. Like, <laughs> in, like unintelligible screams because they're so mad that you're holding everybody up that you might die, which I appreciate. I don't know. I, just, I love I love those moments of like really kind of um, like diegetic storytelling or at least like character building. Sure. I don't know. I like I like this game a lot. And I will say also when it becomes like world ending stakes, I think they're really well earned. I think it's the mm-hmm. way they're able to pull it off, I think, is um, 
really smart decision making in terms of who the like actual big bad of this game is. I, th- I think you'll be into it. Yeah, I don't I don't mind high stakes. I think that the danger of defaulting to high stakes is that the the writers think you'll care more inherently because there are high stakes. Totally. But in this game, like you already have something you care about. I mean, Mass Effect is a great example where it's like. That is a universe ending crisis. But what you actually care about are the characters. Mm -hmm. So like there's almost a MacGuffin of what the stakes are, but there's real stakes for the player alongside those. Yeah, Um, I think you'll find when you get further in the game, um, they do a really great job of anchoring those high stakes to some of the characters on your team. Cool. You'll you'll like it a lot. I would recommend finishing it. It's great. The end the end is spectacular. Like it really is worth playing the whole game. And it's so it's not like that long. I I think it's like twelve to fifteen hours total. It's like one hour per chapter for the whole game. Cool. And uh there's also like a bunch of new game plus stuff and like collectibles. So like if you're the kind of person who wants to go out and get all that stuff, you can do that. They have a bunch of costumes that you can get and unlock for all the characters. It's fun. Yeah, I I'm just so surprised. This is a game that I did not expect to like as much as I do, to be honest. And I'm just glad I checked it out because I think it's it's doing what I like to see in a lot of games. I think the focus of it is something that I'm very interested in in terms of like, you know, primarily focusing on being part of an ensemble and relationships and decision making. Like that's all. Yeah. Every game I love has something to do with that. Yeah. <laughs> as, soon, as soon as I realized that the, the structure of the game is like you go do a mission, then you hang out on the Milano and go talk to everybody individually and like build those relationships. I was like, this is a Steven game. This is like all Steven. <laughs> Top to bottom. How'd you feel about what we did? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. Give me a Garrick mock in space. I'm happy. Yeah. You know? Oh, there are some really good conversations, too, that have. I don't know if you found any, like, artifacts or items that you can, like, give as gifts to any of the characters. But whenever you get to do that, you get these, like, really lengthy, great discussions that are all, like, decision-based as well. Mm. So you have to, like, choose what you want to learn about each of the people. It's great. I think it's a really good balance of, like, the characters are existing within, like, the frame of expectation based on the movies, but they very much are new interpretations of those characters. Yeah. You know, it's not tied to the MCU's lore. There's already things, like, early on said about each of them that are different from how the movies interpret it. And that's, like, uh, it's a cold take, but that's, like, the strength of superhero lore is that, like, there's this existing pool of of characters and and plots and everyone can have their own take on it um Mm -hmm. like that's what i'm more interested in than just seeing like one kind of blanket take i like seeing like what do you think of these characters or where do you think they would go and yeah i I like that conversation with it absolutely yeah cool that's guardians of the galaxy yeah uh zero out of ten uh no spider-man um (laughs) so you know let's take a break and we'll come back and talk about more stuff sounds good Oh, I was I was gonna do the Halo thing. Uh, I'm playing a lot of Halo Infinite <laughs> multiplayer still. Oh uh, yeah, I just wanted to talk about it again because last week was just mostly like I like it. It's good. H- I, Halo's fun, uh, and that was kind of it. But I've played so much of it, Stephen, over the past like week. I haven't even really had time. I even played it this morning. Like I woke up this morning like late. I I drove in from Philadelphia and and went to bed at like one a.m. and I woke up and I was like time for Halo and then played Halo before we. <laughs> recorded um i'm so surprised at how good this game is at the moment it is an extremely successful version of modernizing halo and bringing it to audiences that i think have had similar experiences inspired by it elsewhere at this point you know like call of duty has been around forever at this point i think it also really helps that both call of duty and battlefield and i'll throw the grand theft auto remasters all just kind of like tanked in a way which is Mm -hmm. like 
unfortunate for fans of those games i'm sorry but like call of duty vanguard just dropped did not get reviewed very well the new battlefield is apparently like bad like actually just like bad which kind of leaves halo as this like well this is free to play and available on everything except playstation and nintendo at this point like it dropped on xbox on game pass it's also available through like the microsoft launcher on pc and is just on steam and it's all free to play if you want to play the multiplayer and because of that it's kind of positioned in this place where like if you want to play a first person shooter right now this is maybe the first stop this is the first thing you should try because yeah. there's no cost involved and on top of that it's just like really 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 accomplishing the thing that i loved in high school like i it is so fun to play this game and the progression stuff which i'll talk about in a second progression stuff like doesn't really bother me as much as it does kind of focus me into certain game modes every once in a while to like kind of branch out but just like the base core playing of multiplayer feels exactly like it did in high school but better uh and i am absolutely in love with it Uh, i've been streaming it like a lot on our twitch and I've been specifically trying to get better, which has been interesting. I haven't tried to get better <laughs> at a multiplayer shooter in a really yeah. long time. It's really fun. So right now they're doing this. Um, they've added a game mode called Fiesta, where essentially it's just like team deathmatch. But every time you spawn, you have two random weapons. They just like pick weapons out of the weapon pool and throw you into either a really big or a really small map and just like say, hey, go wild. I think it's really successful for a number of reasons to have launched with this event, you know, because like the game came out a couple days ago and then, uh, you know, I I would say four or five days into it existing, they launched their first event. It really kind of drives home the fact that Halo has always been a sandbox in a way, you know, like going back as far as I think three when they really realized that and built Forge mode into that game, which allowed you to like build maps and game modes and kind of do whatever you want. Um, You know, it's like, oh, everybody spawns in a fucking tank and everybody just shoots each other with tanks. That's kind (laughs) of like weirdly the undercurrent of Halo. Like as much as I think people latch on to the story and et cetera, et cetera. Really, what they've done is just build this like really fun space to hang out in with like the most power fantastical weapons and vehicles you could come up with. So launching with this mode that's like, hey, we've invented a lot of new stuff. You know, we brought in all your old favorites. They feel like they did sometimes better. But we've also added all this new stuff from the campaign, which like we haven't played yet. We don't know what any of these weapons mean contextually, like in the story. But in my hands, they feel great. And having an entire game mode focused on just letting you learn how to use all this stuff right at launch is so smart to me. It's just like really fun. I've been playing it more than any other game mode because I just like love the chance of maybe loading with uh, the shotgun or like the weird sniper that shoots like bullets that are the size of somebody's entire forearm for some reason. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of uh, when I used to play Overwatch. Um, in random heroes like i loved that mode for similar reasons i like only played random heroes when it was available (laughs) i loved random heroes because it was either totally turn your brain off and play and like at no consequence because the other team has five torbjorns and you can't win um (laughs) or because it was the one mode where like you could double up yeah which is kind of fun or if you were in the mindset of like okay i want to get better i want to learn like you would be forced to play with so many different characters you would get to understand like why is it that i keep getting killed by these characters like what are their moves yes even if it's not a character you want to play as playing as the characters that you struggle against was like a really great lesson i do the same thing in fighting games which i think there's a connection there but uh absolutely i i I love that kind of mode yeah it's really good it was a really good thing to start with and i i think it's 
also kind of highlighted the the larger community concern that's been like constant, which I think is interesting because at least the game feels really good, you know, compared to the other stuff that's in this space right now, which is like kind of just all bad. It's nice that this is like, oh, the game is really fun, but there's one aspect of it that's a little bit less than, which is the progression in battle pass system because, you know, it's a modern free to play first person shooters. Like, of course, there has to be battle pass. Of course, there have to be unlockables, et cetera, et cetera. They're kind of going down, I would say, a Fortnite adjacent route with this one in that everything you unlock in the battle pass is cosmetic. It's all just like different little pieces of armor that you can get for your Spartan, which harkens back to my favorite Halo experience of all, which was Reach, which had like almost exactly, they almost copy pasted the Call of Duty for Modern Warfare progression system, which was like, as you continue to play matches, you would get experience. If you did better in those matches and got like medals, like say you got a bunch of double kills or whatever, that would add even more experience and you would constantly level up. And as you did, you would unlock more and more armor and eventually you would fill that bar entirely and then you'd prestige and start it all again. And every time you prestige, you unlock more armor. And it just like kind of allowed you to get rewarded at all times for playing in a way that uh, wasn't monetized because, you know, at that point games were $60 and that was just kind of how it worked. But this, I think, is trying to do a similar system, but in a battle pass kind of monetization loop. And unfortunately, they like really drop the ball on it. Like it just doesn't, I think for most people, just doesn't feel very good. Even uh, specifically at launch, people were like, you do not level up like really at all. And they were like, okay, we need to we need to release a hot fix here. We need to do something. So what they've done now is you get 50 experience points every time you finish a match. So win or lose, like if you finish a match, you get those experience points. But you don't get any for the stuff you accomplish in game or anything. All of the other experience points that you get are based on challenges that they give you daily and weekly. And they are so abstract at times and this is kind of i think the bigger problem with the game at least for me at the moment they can be so abstract to almost seem impossible i've managed Mm -hmm. to this week because i've been playing so much almost finish all the challenges all the weekly challenges but they've been like nonsensical like i i had one that was uh i needed to kill like 10 people with headshots with a sniper rifle which like if fiesta mode didn't exist right now like if i wasn't playing this thing where i constantly get different weapons i never would have been able to do that yeah it took me eons to get that challenge (laughs) and that's only because i played fiesta over and over and over again and every time i loaded with the sniper rifle i was like oh my god okay don't fucking die don't die don't die this is yeah this is your chance this is we're gonna do it it's gonna happen but for a lot of people i think it's not really viable to progress in that way you know like a lot of people just want to sit down and play a couple matches and like feel good about it and only getting 50 experience points every time you level up it, it costs a thousand so it like takes a lot of matches to to level yeah, up if you're wow. just playing matches and not actually doing challenges there are a lot of people who just want to dip into and out of this game you know they want it to be their like always forever online game but if you're feeling like you're not progressing at all i understand why some people are bouncing off of it that said there was a really wonderful article in the washington post recently that was talking about um like an almost generational divide between how people are responding to halo because there are people out there who are like well the game is fun and i just need the game to be fun i don't need to progress i don't need to unlock new armor i just want to play the video game and like that's fine like i don't i don't need to be rewarded because you know the thing that i played in high school or middle school or whatever was just halo and we just had fun because it was halo and there's this other side where there's this you know now years of kind of being embroiled in monetization battle passes you know that unlock cosmetics and people have tweaked it there's so much research out there that people can kind of tap on to figure out how to make it actually feel like you're progressing while also playing the game so i think there are these kind of two camps of people that are like this is fine i don't know what you're complaining about and also this is terrible i feel like i'm not you know accomplishing anything i'm gonna go play something else i'm 
kind of right in the middle there because yeah. I I care so much about what my Spartan looks like. It is yeah. a fashion game to me more than anything else at this point. And I'm just trying to do all the challenges because I want to unlock the weird samurai armor that doesn't <laughs> like really make sense to be on a Spartan, but it just is fun. Yeah. And for that reason, the challenges are actually kind of focusing me and I'm enjoying going and checking out things I normally wouldn't. I've been playing a lot of ranked mode, which like I don't touch ever in any game that has a ranked mode. I just like <laughs> do not play ranked ever, but I've been playing a lot of ranked because I, you know, get a shitload of experience points if I just like play 10 ranked matches, which is enough to then get ranked and then be placed in the seeds, which I guess is smart for them as a challenge perspective. But I've been enjoying that kind of stuff. I've been enjoying jumping into Fiesta mode over and over again, hoping I spawn with the shotgun and then like just sit in a hallway and run back and forth and hope I run into somebody. That stuff's been really fun. I, I find myself very conflicted about this because I understand where people are coming from, from a, a progression standpoint, but also the game is so fucking good. And also, I'm going to be playing it a lot for many, many years. I don't really need to unlock a lot of stuff in the first week of the game being out. You know, it feels a little bit like Animal Crossing in that way. Yeah, I definitely, I haven't played it and I I definitely can see both sides of frustration or, or you know, whatever. I feel like though having a rely, like the challenges don't sound bad in and of themselves, but having it to be the primary way of getting experience, I can see being strange. Yeah. It's sort of like if you had to get like, PlayStation trophy achievements to progress in a game. You know, that's, it's like these are supposed to be That's very literally what it extra. is. Extra. Yeah. 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 And, and I think the frustration that a lot of people have that is unrelated from progression, which I kind of have in some regards as well, if you're like taking the game seriously, is some of the challenges are so abstract that you can see people doing them. Like you can mm. see people optimizing to do challenges instead of play the objective for whatever reason. Um, I mean, I, I know what reason they want, you know, the cool samurai armor, but um, <laughs> like one of the first challenges I got was I had to blow up somebody who was in a ghost, which is like a little kind of flying, I don't know, turret car kind of thing. I had to blow up a ghost with a grenade while somebody was in it. And that is so wildly difficult. That is not an easy challenge to accomplish because that means you have to play big team battle mode, which is the one that is like always large and always has vehicles. And you just have to get so fucking lucky. You have to get so lucky that an enemy is going to jump into a ghost and try and kill you. And then you have a grenade and you happen to land exactly where it needs to be. The ghost has enough damage on it already that you will blow it up when the grenade goes off. Like, that's such a difficult thing. And you could play probably 100 matches and never have that happen. Yeah. And you can see people in big team battle mode trying to get that challenge. It's like one of the first ones that you get as soon as you get the game. And that to me does feel like a PlayStation trophy. Like, that feels like an Xbox achievement and not a thing that you have to do by chance to get the 300 experience you need to maybe level up or get like remotely close yeah once level up once in a battle pass that has a hundred levels you know oh my god yeah that's a lot it's a lot i, I, I could see why people are mad <laughs> yeah um so I, I i think that's kind of where i land on it um that said i played so much of this game i'm like level 40 something at this point i'm like nice. deep in it uh my spartan looks rad uh <laughs> waluigi colored obviously and oh, perfect. Uh, yeah that's it halo infinite it's really good i we were just talking before the show started, like, okay, what stuff is coming out? Because you and I are, like, almost done putting our goatee list together, I would say. Yeah. And, you know, Solar Ash comes out this week, the week that we're recording. Um, I guess tomorrow, as of the day of this episode coming out. Yeah, um, exciting. And next week is Halo Infinite single player, and I have, like, 0% interest in that. 
honestly. <laughs> maybe it'll be good. Yeah. I don't know. Like, maybe it'll be fine. But I, I am so like, I don't think that's going to count at all for me towards Goaty. <laughs> I, I don't think it's there's nothing that they could do in Halo single player that's going to make me think that that's one of the games of the year, unfortunately. I'm going to say now I, I'm fine with you counting Halo Infinite as a multiplayer game. Experience. Oh, yeah, like I was have, I was going to, to cut that. Yeah. yeah, they're releasing it separately even. So there's already like, yeah. A situation where that's the case. Um, I will raise an eyebrow if you say number five is Halo Infinite single player. Number four is Halo Infinite <laughs> multiplayer. Come on. Uh, Spice I, it up. I can tell you right now that that's not going to happen. <laughs> I'll make you a promise live on air that that's not going to happen, Stephen. Thank you. Um, anyway, <laughs> Halo Infinite multiplayer is great. Uh, I'm streaming it a lot. And uh, if you want to see that. They've been fun. Uh, uh, it's it's on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash into the cast. Baby. Hell yeah. Do you want to move on to the next section? Yeah. Segment? Let's do that. Hell yeah. Goodbye. Bye. Hey, Brendan. Hey, Steven. I played a game for once. Oh. You want to hear about it? Yeah. Tell me all about it on <laughs> Karma Pod Lease, our Radiohead fan cast. Yeah. Okay. So I played the new Radiohead game, uh, which I'll, I'll explain in a moment. So you might already have questions. Everyone loved their first game, Death Stranding. <laughs> this is the hotly anticipated follow up. Honestly, Death Stranding would be the Radiohead game in a way. I was a big fan of uh, Capcom vs. OK Computer, personally. <laughs> it was one of my favorite fighting games. Don't make me spit my drink. <laughs> Um, I don't know if I've really gone into this, but especially in high school, I was a huge Radiohead fan. I still am. I, I've just like chilled a little bit. It used to be like <laughs> 90% of what I listened to. Yeah. But I still love their music. And uh, recently, it was just sort of out of the blue announced that they had this game slash interactive experience. We'll, we'll qualify in a second. I do think, though, that like it's worth noting Tom York has basically been like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> the people who made it are like, eh, I don't know, call it what you want. It's, it's just something we wanted to put out there. But um, it's essentially in honor of uh, Kid A at Amnesiac, two of their albums, being out for 21 years. Oof. There is this sort of virtual exhibit that, that you can get for free that is sort of like, there's a great post on PlayStation's blog, I think from Tom York, that's about like, how this came to be and why it exists and everything. And essentially there was a plan, Tom York and the artist Stanley Donwood, who does a lot of the art for their albums. Like he does the covers and everything. They're like Kid A mountains and stuff. Yeah. Um, they wanted to do like an actual, like in real life art exhibit and very similar plan to sort of honor these two albums and like just release the like, dozens and dozens of like recordings and songs on the album off the album all the artwork around both albums um, their rule was that no new work should be in it like it's all just like stuff that was made for those two albums that's really cool so the original plan was they wanted to do an exhibit they wanted it to be like it looked like a ufo crashed into whatever uh, a brutalist ufo i believe was the term they used crashed into whatever <laughs> venue they were in and every venue said no and yeah. then the pandemic started so they were like this can't happen unless we we want to make it something that like could exist virtually mm -hmm. so that's what they did and, which and I tracks think, for the albums anyway i mean that yeah it's really yeah, I, I on think brand what they actually made 
it does feel more akin to the albums because in, in many moments of it, it does feel like this is just like a virtual art exhibit. Like you will be, most of the game is in first person and you'll be like walking around and there's like art on the walls. There are weird like Radiohead stick figures walking around too mm. and like ambient music. But a lot of it feels like, okay, this is like maybe what the exhibit would actually look like. There's even one part where it like just straight up looks like the Guggenheim with the spiral staircase. Oh, really? But then you'll like, you know, be walking into a place and it's not quite clear where to go. And then you'll turn around and the environment's different. And suddenly like they play with perspective and with like reality in a way that is really cool. Like I, it's like an hour long and I think it's free. I would say even if you're not like a huge Radiohead fan, this is a really great way to experience that album. There are a lot of moments where like, like I had, the songs that I listened to a lot growing up, like in my head when I was going mm. through it, but there were songs that I've never especially liked as much that like I had a new, I, I have a new interest in because of how the game delivered them. Yeah. And it is sort of, to me is a testament to how powerful games can be like as a vessel for music in a way. Like I think we talk about game music a lot. We even had a bonus about like our favorite game soundtracks and it's such a important element to any game, but I like that there's this experience, call it what you want, that is really just about delivering a visual experience to accompany the music. I mean, the closest example I could think of is Sinar Wild Hearts and being kind of like mm-hmm. an interactive music video. Yeah. This is definitely less gamey than that, but there are many moments where they take advantage of like a player being there and control and expectation. It, it reminds me a lot of Yumi Nikki, weirdly, where there's that like, okay, there's sort of like an unsettling vibe throughout a lot of it. And, mm. and the idea of like going down a path that feels infinite and then turning around and suddenly like there's just weird shit happening. I don't really want to spoil a lot of the moments, but there are a couple scenes in this game that that really took me by surprise and then i was this is this is really well done and really cool um i will say that the song um how to disappear completely is a song that i never especially liked and Mm. now i adore because of how the game like did it here interesting Um, and i think that's also i think tom york has said at least at one point in time that that was like either his favorite song on that album or his favorite song that he's written and i i came close to understanding why based on how they chose to like visually portray it yeah so i don't know it's it's kind of a it's a wild time again i I think it might like i don't know like who i'd recommend this to other than like if you're a fan of the music but i I do think there's a world in which like this is your introduction to radiohead and you might still really enjoy it like i think that that possibility exists i was just gonna say i could see a world in, in in which somebody shows up and checks this out and is like i love everything about this visually and sonically and then you go listen to radiohead and now you're a fan like that that's yeah very- I'm on the website right now, and I love on the website. Uh, th- I don't know if we said the name of this. It's Kid A Amnesia right, Exhibition yes, is the sorry. name of the thing. Yes, and it's available, uh, I think, on the Epic Game Store and PS5 because Epic Games made this, which is interesting. But anyway, I'm on the website right now, and it has a map of the exhibition that is like wild, <laughs> Stephen. <laughs> yeah, it is, a, it is wild looking. Like there is a phys- It looks like there's an actual like physical space. At least based on this map, like there, there's kind of like a physicality to it. There is a way to kind of like traverse this exhibition in a way that almost makes sense. But some of it is like there's a section called the elevator. And then above the elevator is a section called the ascension, uh, which, you know, yeah, that that sounds like Radiohead. I should also mention I'm a huge Radiohead fan and Kid A is yeah. 
probably my favorite album. Kid A on the album Kid A is my favorite song by Radiohead. So I'm I've just been kind of like waiting to check this out, and I'm oh, excited you'll love to, it. Yeah, to do that. I I love Kid A as well, and Amnesiac just sort of feel. I think Amnesiac was the B sides of Kid A, so mm-hmm. they're kind of like a yeah combined experience. Kid B, if you will. In high school, there was always a joke that like the CD in my car was the Benz, like at all times. Yeah. So like if I ever give you a ride anywhere, it was like the Benz in some way. <laughs> Which I am a huge Benz defender. I, I defend Pablo Honey ironically, but I, I think the Benz is one of my favorite albums of theirs. But Kid A is up there too. Yeah. I like, they're all, Pablo Honey is the weakest, but every other album is like doing something unique to itself that is really cool. Mm. That's why I like them so much because I think they, they have changed up their sound so often through the years. Like Pablo Honey and the Benz kind of exist in like a, like Oasis-esque like 90s band era. But mm. the Benz, you can see that they're becoming stranger, which is why I like it so much like yeah just is one of my favorite songs by them and i love the video the the music video for just is like this specific like vibe of like 90s film kind of looks like train spotting almost that i yeah. just adore i don't know what it is yeah i know what you mean but uh yeah i i it's all coming back to me i love <laughs> love radiohead i probably made you a mix cd that's just radiohead in high school big fan uh and this was a cool way to like relive their music you know yeah i, I had a great time with it so it is worth mentioning while we're talking about this that um, Epic Games also just bought Harmonix, the team that used to make Guitar Hero and Rock Band. And, and most recently, I think Fuser was their most recent project. And the press release specifically said that they're going to be working on musical experiences for Fortnite, which makes sense because Fortnite's been kind of sure. in- investing in like doing concerts in that game but i would like to see more stuff like this i hope that they allow more stuff like this Me to too. happen and and having harmonics of all studios work on a thing like this exhibition i think would be really cool um if that's a possibility in the future i have a lot of friends who are in bands that are like on tour again and you know they're they're obviously being careful with that but like i think that we we had to go like relying on virtual spaces for so long i could see a world in which like when we're you know more safely able to see concerts in person again there are still these sort of self-contained like i'm not trying to pitch the metaverse but i think that there is a place for these sort of like catered virtual experiences that accompany music yeah it's a really cool experiment yeah i i know i know where you're coming from with that like tiptoeing of the line right because i i think you know, Facebook can come out and say like, hey, we're going to build the metaverse. But I think <laughs> it's it's going to be more interesting things like this that actually pitch the idea. Like Facebook right. just saying we, we've we changed our name to meta. So that means we're the metaverse company. Like doesn't mean shit really. That's like JP Morgan saying we have all the money. You know, it's like we're, we've changed our name <laughs> to just money. Um, yeah, it's like we made Xbox Connect avatars and you can Skype in space. Like, I already have all together mode. I'm set. Yeah. The more interesting stuff <laughs> is stuff like this, I, I think. You know, and Epic Games is another company like really kind of trying to charge towards metaverse as a concept. Like truly, things like this have existed for such a long time. Not to get right, into the metaverse the thing. thing. Like stuff like this has been around for so fucking long. You know, Second Life existed for like a whole like RuneScape, weirdly. Like any MMO Neopets is kind of a even. metaverse yeah. by itself. Neopets, exactly. I, um, we don't have to get into it. But yeah, I know. But I, I think that like this experiment does not exist in place of seeing Radiohead in concert. This is just another way yeah. to experience their music. And I, I really like the lack of pretense from Tom York about this. Like the game introduces itself as like, we don't know what this is. Some doors will work. Some won't. Like, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's important. I think if this was too up its own ass, it would really 
fall on its face. I think that the fact that it's like, here's just like work we've done for two decades that we're proud of and we want you to experience. And you literally can't because of what we want to do. So here's a way we've made something that like couldn't and maybe shouldn't exist into into something you can experience. Yeah. And again, I think that sentiment and that intention exists separate from whatever fuck Silicon Valley is trying to do. Like this is just a cool thing to experience. Yeah. Similarly, over the summer, one of my favorite just like experiences of the summer was uh, Porter Robinson did a festival that he does every year called Secret Sky, which is like a live streamed festival. And the first year was like literally just a Twitch stream that you would tune into and just like watch a bunch of artists uh, stream like DJ sets from their house. But this year was a similar thing, but set in this virtual space they made that matched all the art of the album that Port Robinson had just released. And you would just kind of like walk around these spaces that were inspired by different tracks and different pieces of visual iconography and just like watch a concert from in there surrounded by other people. And everybody looked like uh, the characters from Sky. And you could like do the little spins and like do a little emote and stuff um, and like hang out with people and it would show where everybody was from. It was really, really cool. It was like one of my favorite experiences of the summer was like in this virtual space watching this concert. So I'm, I'm very much in favor of stuff like this. And honestly, the, the Fortnite concerts are like kind of cool. I watched some of Inception in Fortnite, which is very silly. Um <laughs> When they did that Chris Nolan stuff. But now I'm wondering, okay, Epic Games put this thing out. They got harmonics to make like virtual concerts in Fortnite. I wonder if there's going to be a Radiohead concert in Fortnite. I wonder if they would be into that. I feel like they wouldn't. But after this, like, who yeah, knows? I wonder. I wonder. Um, I wonder if that was part of the agreement. Like, we'll let you make this weird ass thing. That's what I'm wondering. Yes, exactly. But can you perform fake plastic trees in Fortnite? Like, oh, <laughs> fine, I'll sell out. I also I sent you the article, but I found this old. I remember this. I'm like, I remember the first time I heard about the game Eco was somehow through Radiohead. Mm. And there's this like, I think it's like a 2010 article. Maybe you could put it in the show notes. That's like an interview with Johnny Greenwood, who's the lead guitarist of Radiohead, and like composes a lot of great film scores in more recent years yes but uh he is a huge video game fan and he listed his like top 10 favorite games and it's like into the aether <laughs> favorites it's like eco he loves uh i have the list you want me to read the list yeah read the list read the it's list. uh braid cave story elite which i've never even heard of on the bbc micro golden eye for n64 the whole half-life series he has listed as one thing eco marathon which is Bungie's first game before Halo, which is wild. Oh my god! Uh, Red Dead Redemption, Ocarina of Time, and Twilight Princess. Not not one to one, but there's definitely a there's an overlap there. Yeah. Point being, Johnny Greenwood, uh, come on the show. I would love that. Come I would. Out. I would actually maybe turn into the weird dust that you have to walk through in Kid A Amnesia Exhibition. Um, <laughs> it was foreshadowing. Yeah, that's a that's a deep reference that uh, I'm excited <laughs> to understand later. If he comes on, we're just going to be like, so when you were making Pablo Honey, what was like going through your mind at the time? I really (laughs) want to dive deep on anyone can play guitar. No, I I love what they do. Even Pablo Honey has some good songs. Get over it. Uh, So that experience is available via the Epic Game Store and is on PS5 as well. So uh, check that out if you can and are yeah. interested. It's a cool hour. It's a cool hour. And I, I think um, there are, there's a variation. Like one last thing I'll say is uh, there are some parts of the game that are like, here's the full song and here's like a visual accompaniment to the song. And then there are others where like you'll hear part of the song and it will kind of like change and, and alter as you walk through like 
a gallery essentially like looking at different art and stuff. There's one for the national anthem, which is one of my favorite songs on Kid A. And uh, you're only getting the like weird parts of the song. And I'm like, huh, like that's weird. They didn't like that song has a very clear hook to it. Uh, and then there's this weird gelatinous cube that just says drums and bass and like chalk. And I'm like, oh, they know what we want. Yeah. And you can just sit in this gelatinous cube and hear the like, dun, 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 dun. yeah, it's so good. It's great. Yeah, I, I really <laughs> loved it. I, I was like, I just needed to know what it was. And I'm glad I checked it out. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, do you want to take a break and then talk about more stuff? I was about to do our recurring joke of saying I'm a big whatever head to say I'm a big fan of it. And in this case, it's just I'm a big radio head. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen, we're back hello we uh we, you know it, it, it's post thanksgiving we had a bunch yeah. of stuff going on wasn't sure if we'd get to a bunch of games uh this week so i thought you know i should i should call for questions see if people want to ask us some stuff see if want uh, people want us to answer some stuff so we did get some questions which is nice I- ironically you and i actually have played a lot of video games and there's stuff that we're now saving for next week uh but yeah tom helped us out a little bit with that yeah but, uh, yeah thanks tom one thing that we were planning on maybe talking about that we're now going to talk about next week and uh when you've played it more is ruined king which is the new league yeah. of legends spinoff and uh, i'm very excited to hear what you think about it i played a lot of it already but i'm excited to hear your thoughts about it too so uh me too next week we'll talk about that one i uh i'm, I'm excited to talk about that i feel like there's been a lot going on with like league content lately between that and the show and everything. Yeah, so totally that'll be next week once i put more time into it yeah but for now we have some questions from our dear listeners and uh i'd yes. like i'd like to hit you with some of them oh yeah let's start with this one from luku lele if you were a pokemon trainer which pokemon <laughs> do you think you'd actually partner up with i love the actually because i think we yeah. every time we do a pokemon episode we get asked the question kind of like this yeah like if Pokemon are real, who would you who would you have? But the actually makes it more like okay, don't just say like I'd have a Mew. That'd be so fucking cool. Like, you know, <laughs> who would you actually have? Yeah. If I was a trainer, so this is assuming that I'm using them for battle as well. Yes, I think that is an important distinction. I'm glad that you I'm glad that you pointed that yeah. out. Yeah, because in our crystal bonus, I vaguely remember being like, who would you just like live with? And that's a very different vibe than like who's going out into battle. Yeah. What was your choice for that? Do you remember? I think it was Bulbasaur. Bulbasaur, I love that. Yeah. I love that for you specifically too. Yeah, that's Thanks. really nice. That and there honestly there's a good chance Bulbasaur might be my pick again. Although it is always like alarming when a trainer has a starter. It's like, "What? You're more important than you seem." <laughs> so, and that's the other thing too. Are we rolling into the archetype of like, "Am I a bug catcher? Am I a hiker?" Right. I was just yeah, am am I a Joey? Am I am I stuck to four Geo dudes and five Magikarps? Yeah, yeah. What region do I live in? What town in yeah. what region do I live in? I am going to say that rather than giving ourselves more questions, I'm just going to say if I was a trainer, who would I have? If I have one Pokemon, mm. I would. I was going to say Skarmory, but Skarmory is a gym leader pick. There is no mm. trainer on route whatever who <laughs> casually has a Skarmory, but I do love Skarmory. I also love Skarmory. I'm going to say Slowbro. And I say slow, bro. I think I, I think I'm in a cave oh, and I'm slow, bro. Yeah. <laughs> You're in a cave. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing in a cave? cave? I'm a slow, bro. I think I'm like one of the like. I was looking for a Viridian city and I am stuck here. I wish I had Flash. That's like, <laughs> I wish I, I wish I talked to the professor and got Flash. Anyway, fight me and yeah. I'm a slow, bro. Yeah. Yeah. So there's another half of this question, which is, uh, would it be your favorite Pokemon or not? which uh, I've been kind of mulling over because I do I do think so my favorite Pokemon is Haunter mm. but I think I would have a Ghastly oh interesting would you be like one of the scary nuns in the church that just scream blood I, yeah I would <laughs> 
I was going to say no, but I, I like that description enough that I'm going to say they yes. They do scream blood in red and blue. They just say like blood and they attack you, if yeah. I remember correctly. It's, yeah, it's yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> I love the 90s. The 90s were great. <laughs> so I'm in a cave and you're in a church. <laughs> Gaslight is a good pick. I think you can. I think you cannot. You don't have to be tied to that archetype to use a gaslight. I think you can just be like in Lavender Town outside the church. I think so too. I, th- I feel like Lavender yeah. Town is the kind of place I would hang out. It feels like it would be almost like Boston or like yeah. Actually, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Boston actually makes sense. I think Boston is canonically Lavender Town. The cool kind of like goth kids hang out in Lavender Town, like outside. They're like we we're not we don't scream blood at you and and have a ghost of Marowa of Cubone's mother. Yeah, we just hang out with Gasleys. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My Gasly and I just experienced the Kid A MDZ <laughs> exhibition together. Look, I'm not here to sell you on the metaverse, but I do think it's a virtual space in which you can exhibit the music itself. <laughs> <laughs> and my Gasly loves it. <laughs> I guess he fucking loves it. He almost evolved. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was changing, and I was like, dude, not yet. Not during this song. <laughs> at least wait till Pyramid Song, dude. Yeah, wait till like at least halfway through. This, this sucks. Let's move on. Thank you for the question. <laughs> I love when we just gate kept evolving in a concert. Like, dude, not now, man. Ew. <laughs> Here's, here's a question from me. Have you ever been to a concert that you feel like you evolved at? <laughs> like a Pokemon? I feel like I evolved into my awkward, like, teenage Charmeleon phase at Warp Tour, for sure. <laughs> I feel like that's, like, the weird, thwacky phase of your life. Like, oh, crap. I'm thwacky. I hope the final form is cool. I'm thwacky at the Warp Tour. This sucks. I definitely played a couple shows that made me de-evolve. I'll say that much. <laughs> you push B. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to another question. Sure. That's a whole episode. Yeah. <laughs> this one's from GJ. Any interior decorating tips? I just moved and I'm starting from scratch, furniture and decoration wise. Oh, wow. I guess it depends on the space. But yeah. um, I feel like you've been evolving uh, your space slowly since you moved in. And I, I've appreciated getting updates on how your apartment has evolved. Thanks. Yeah. So I have, I have a studio, but it's sort of divided up in a way that like, it's not just like a box. Like the, the kitchen is like behind, there's like a natural doorway that leads into the kitchen. Yeah. And then there's like other sort of doorways as well. So it's like kind of a weird hybrid of like a one bedroom and a studio. But uh, either way, like, I think it's very important to have dedicated spots for things. So I like Mm -hmm. having like, I like having a very open living room where the TV isn't primarily the focus. Like I like having like a bookshelf or Something like that. Um, I love having art prints on the wall. Something I, I've wanted to do is like if you make your own art, like put that on the wall too. I think it's important to have like your own stuff on the wall as well. Yeah. Um, but that's a bit of a specific thing. I would say also only get frames for pieces that call for it. I think there's a there's a pitfall of getting frames for everything you want to put up. Mm. And some things just look better without frames. I like frames to sort of anchor focus on the wall too. Yeah. You know what? You've actually and just I think solved a problem that I've been grappling with for <laughs> almost 12 months at this point. Cause I got these two prints framed 
I ordered them framed and have not been like as recently as this morning was trying to find places to put these frames. Maybe I'll just take them out. Yeah. Some, honestly, like I right in front of me, I have a framed picture of Porco from Porco Rosso. It's like a beautiful watercolor. I think Hell you yeah. might have gotten it for me. You did. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. At uh, C2E2. And then I have like two other prints just sort of like flowing outside of it. So, yeah, I, I just think like if you have all frames, it's going to look like an Applebee's where it's like just too many. Like, or the Vatican. Things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you don't want the Vatican or the Applebee's. I don't. I'm not like a design expert by any means. Dude, just, your apartment has huge Vatican energies. Anyone ever told you that? <laughs> what? Where are we? Are we in the Vatican? I think this it's, place fucking sucks. It's <laughs> it's really overwhelming, and I think you should give a lot of it back. <laughs> Gold leaf everywhere, man. <laughs> you have any design tips? And it's like just the Adam and and God hands like on the ceiling. <laughs> but yeah, I um, I I'm a huge believer of just putting stuff on the walls like i i feel like that will just claim the space as your own mm. and i love bookshelves i also love uh having record players out my setup looks a little bit like the raccoon's room and the lo-fi hip-hop beats the study relax too <laughs> where this is like a record player near the bed yeah but uh yeah that's also tapestries are nice i'm into tapestries yeah i think i'm gonna get one soon i have one of the woods yeah, yeah. i hope that helps they're just a bunch of thoughts and ideas but that's what i do i think the frames is maybe more tangible i would say um a, a big a big thing for me has been like getting one piece for each room that you have that feels like kind of like the sun in what is going to be a solar system like find yeah. the one piece that you're like i will build everything around this i am i'm looking for mm. things that will match up with this because when we moved in here it was my uh furniture and my partner's furniture from both of our separate apartments which like didn't clash very well so we've been like replacing stuff slowly um we've been here for over a year at this point but like the experience has been slowly going in and replacing everything that we brought from our, our first places and honestly a lot of that has just been finding like furniture swap groups in new york and around in general just like not really against like driving to a place to pick up like a cool thing um if it's like cheap and or free or we get to trade it for something that we had which is cool so been definitely doing that a lot for uh just over a year at this point and i think it's made a place that feels very much like us, which I really appreciate. I love your spot. It's great. Yeah, thank you. I'll say this too. I'm I'm definitely someone who will like decorate before I'm sure the place is running water. So like this might be steps you already have taken care of. But in terms of just utility and moving mm. into a new place, I highly recommend getting a stepladder if you don't have one. Just oh, having yeah. like a two-step ladder or a ladder of any kind. It's something you may not like default to getting, but once you have it, it's like, how did I ever live without this? Mm. Um and also just near your door, have a hook for your keys. You will never lose them again. It's the best decision I've ever made. Yeah. Uh, so those are like two weird dad tips on top of weird kind of ethereal design advice. Yeah. And and don't cover all your frames in gold leaf. All right. <laughs> nice place. <laughs> Why is it like the Vatican in here? Um, I don't know what the Vatican is like. Thank you for that question. Thank you. Uh, let's do this one from CJMCW. If you could import one concept or mechanic from one genre into another, what would it be? Oh, that's a great question. Import one concept or mechanic to another genre. Or game, I guess, you know, if you want to do like yeah. mashup stuff. I'm tr My first thought is like, what is a genre or game that I felt like could benefit or felt like lacking in some way? Because this, this type of move like essentially makes a new thing. So it's like, yeah, would the intended experience be? 
benefit from just a new mechanic. But maybe I'm overthinking. Maybe it's like what would be cool to see. Um, hmm. I would love to see like Dark Souls mechanics added to like a top-down Zelda-like. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, those games are fine. There's a lot of them. Uh, let's see. Hmm. I mean, honestly, like I think this is so much harder to answer than I than I thought it was going to be because I'm trying to think like okay, one one thing that keeps popping up is like I love games like Persona and Mass Effect and Three Houses that have that sort of dual focus where half of the game is like this sort of more grounded social simulator esque experience where like you're getting to know the characters very well and the story is very character focused. And then when the battles or whatever, like the verb of the game comes in, that is tied to that in some way. So I think Mm -hmm. what I really like to see is just like narrative intertwining with gameplay more. I love when they when they complement the other. I love when one informs the other in a way that just isn't you get a cutscene and then you have to do the thing for a bit and then you get another cutscene. Like I like when even if it's not like, uh, oh, characters can live or die or, or your choices matter i just love when like those two elements are intertwined in a meaningful way if that makes any sense yeah yeah it totally does i feel like the two things that come to mind immediately the first one is is i'm i'm curious why there aren't more things like pokemon go that have been successful and i think yeah. i think a lot of the attempts at that like the harry potter one um or even niantic's first game ingress i mean first of all they're all from niantic at this point you know like yeah. There, are, there are other ones that have dropped here and there where other companies have tried to do it. Like, I, I forget who it was that made the Jurassic Park one that, like, didn't work out. But so many of them are about, like, collecting things. But going back to Ingress, like, I guess just as a quick overview, the way Ingress worked was it was essentially like a competitive MMO, a little bit like Pokemon Go in that you were picking a team. But more specifically, you were going out and, like, collecting units that you would use to drop on bases. And it was like you were constantly at war with other people on other teams and you could zoom out and see the whole earth and see like how much of earth has been overtaken by what team and i feel like there's something really interesting there i almost wish that they would like relaunch ingress or think about it a little bit more but i'm surprised that in an era where we all have like gps's in our pockets and stuff there aren't more mmos that are available i guess for mobile that actually involve the real world but that use the gameplay mechanics and the retention features that we know from things like World of Warcraft, for example. Like, I'm surprised there's not kind of a hybridization of things that worked in completely virtual spaces and things that worked in the real world. And how do you mash those two together? I know that's like very, I don't know, it's a little bit out there, but I I feel like that there's something there that I really want to see. Yeah, that makes total sense. And, And an idea I just had unrelated, but I was thinking more about like what my answer would be. And I think like, I'm just very interested in changing the verb of a game. Like I think like in the games I mentioned where it's, you know, Persona, Three Houses, Mass Effect, the other side of the game is always combat focused. Yeah. And I would love to see like what does it look like when the other half of a game that is so character focused is like bartending or totally. you know, uh, yeah. running a store. And there are there are so many games that have done that, but I've I've yet to really experience like like a lot of the games I play, like where you're a barista or a bartender. The actual drink making is kind of just like clicking stuff and there's definitely thought put into it, but it sort of feels like it's it's emotion you go through while it's more of like a visual novel, yeah. which is fine. That's that's cool. Like the focus of those games is the visual novel. The, the drink making is just to break it up. But I would love to see like what is the barista game where making coffee is the same thing as a turn-based battle. It has the same stakes, mm-hmm. the same strategy involved. 
I feel like the closest I've seen to that, weirdly, is Final Fantasy fourteen, where like all the jobs, like carpentry and oh, yeah. cooking, have like a serious Final Fantasy story. That's like I love that. I can't get over that even still. And then making stuff like it's not one to one, but it does require like mana management in some ways, and like learn you level up the same way you do in fighting. Yeah, I just think that that's very creative, and there's a lot like you can do with that. Not that I'm like you know, it makes sense to be at war in Fire Emblem and to like be commander shepherd but i think it's like those dual focus games where like the narrative is character focused and it comes together with the gameplay i would love to see like if the gameplay could be something different yeah that's that's sort of what my dream would be yeah i think the ultimate example of this always is death stranding Uh, death stranding is like such a perfect example of this where you can have a story that has stakes and characters that are interesting and gameplay that is not focused on i shoot gun or you know like you, you can still right. it's it's almost like a, a another look at Metal Gear Solid and saying like, OK, but what other in what other instance would you need to be sneaky? And obviously it's delivering packages in the apocalypse. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> that game, you prioritize the cargo more than your own life in many instances, which is. Yeah, absolutely. That that alone, I think, is is a testament to what that game is commenting on in a lot of ways. Yeah. But uh, anyway, another uh, kind of strange answer to this. Uh, oddly enough, is Ruined King, which again, we're going to talk about next week. But Ruined King is like a, you know, isometric Diablo dungeon crawler with turn-based, almost Slay the Spire feeling yeah. combat. Yeah. Um, which, you know, it, it, it kind of sucks to boil a game down to, you know, just comparing it to other stuff. But they are two very disparate kinds of games that actually do overlap yeah. really well. It's a reference point. When we compare a game saying like it's kind of like this meets this, it's not to say that that's all it is. It's just that that's what it's pulling from, yeah, clearly. Yeah. Or that's what you can refer it to. But uh, yeah, I think those would all be cool. Uh, it's exciting. To, I, I think that these ideas are also all percolating with other people. Like, there's so many new ideas coming out and games are at a place where I feel like, you know, I, I, just, I just look forward to seeing what other creativity manifests into. Yeah. Hell yeah. You want to do one more? Sure. This one, this one's going to be fast. I'm, I'm interested in your answer for this one, but this one's from Matt. What is the last application you paid for? Oh, wow. Do you have an answer? I guess it depends. I, I th- the last app I bought, well, I mean, I feel like it might have been a game on Apple Arcade, but that doesn't, I don't know if that counts. Yeah, I guess because like Apple Arcade is the service. Yeah, I think the last like app that I, that wasn't a free download that I spent money on was the uh, Animal Crossing app. What is it called? Oh, the Travel Companion? Yeah, I, I have the Travel Companion Animal Crossing app, which is fantastic. It's really good. Yeah, wait, it's um, ACNH Guide. I think is what it's called. Yeah. Uh, it's really, really good. It was like $5. I don't know if I've paid for like a app like that since, but I definitely have purchased like games and stuff. I think the last game I bought was, I love Hue was free. Mm. It might've yeah. been um, Dragon Quest four actually. Oh really? <laughs> so nice. yeah, that, that, those are my answers. Yeah. Sorry, I just opened up my recently added folder on my iPhone uh, and remember that Final Fantasy VII, The First Soldier, came out. Uh, <laughs> that's the, that's the just, I guess, to touch on it really quick, another game that I played this week is uh, a battle royale set in the world of Final Fantasy VII Remake, but like, I, I'm going to say like 30 to 40 years beforehand. Um, so it's like when the soldier program is starting, for those of you who know that story. But it's a battle royale and it is so wild. It's really pretty. But it's very confusing. 
Yeah. It's a very it's a very strange thing. I, I feel like unfortunately, like I, I hate to dunk on it like this, but I don't think it's gonna be very successful, even though it got like a pretty big rollout. But I would recommend at least like checking it out and seeing what it's all about. Uh, because if you're a fan of Final Fantasy Seven, it's almost like a curiosity that I recommend diving into. Anyway. Yeah, don't don't feed me like that. But um yeah, I uh I am interested. There is, similar to that story, there is a PSP game that's all about Zach that kind of like goes into the early days of the soldier program as well. That I hear great things about. Yeah. Crisis Core, I believe. Oh, yeah. Crisis Core. Yeah. Is that PS- yeah. Yeah, that is PSP. Um, what's interesting is that more like Final Fantasy 15 Pocket Edition kind of revamp of Final Fantasy 7 that they're making for mobile is apparently going to incorporate all of the stories from all of those spinoffs as well. Oh my god. So they're going to try and like Kingdom Hearts it and like make it all one cohesive <laughs> thing. Like Advent Children oh, and Remake and Crisis Core and the original are all going to be part of the same thing. That that kind of feels like what the remake is doing too. You mm-hmm. know, I think it feels like a compilation of everything and it somehow works. Yeah. That could, it sounds like a nightmare and it somehow sticks the landing. So far so far yeah knock on wood the actual most recent app that i paid for is called Dazcam, d-a-z-z cam and it is an app for essentially simulating like real kinds of film uh one of the things i really like about this is i take a lot of pictures with my iphone if you follow me on instagram or whatever like i i'm taking pictures fucking constantly the thing that i like about this app in particular versus other ones that i've tried using uh is first of all this thing uh, simulates like photography cameras and also videography cameras. So there's like really great kind of nitty gritty customizable simulations for like Super 8 film if you wanted to like take a video, which is really cool. It's actually why I got it initially. I was looking for something that could simulate Super 8 and earlier film stock like that. And then downloaded it and was like kind of blown away at some of the photography options as well. There's a lot of stuff that is uh, pretty customizable. There's some stuff that's not that kind of bums me out as well. But for the most part, I think it's a really great app. And the biggest thing for me me is that every app that does something like this tends to have a subscription cost tied to it. They tend to be like, you know, $3 a month or $5 a month or whatever, uh, $60 a year for this thing. And um, Dazcam has that, but also has a one-time purchase. Like if you just want to buy it once and never have to pay subscription ever again, you can also do that, uh, which is what I did. I think it was like 15 bucks. I used it for a couple hours and I like fell in love with it. And I've been using it a lot over the past week-ish. I like it a whole lot. So that's called Dazcam. Oh, yeah. It's on, it's on iOS. I don't think it's on Android, unfortunately. I saw a lot of people uh, wishing online that it was on Android, but it's not. But there are other things like this on Android that exist. Yeah. Yeah. The thing about Android is it's hard to make camera apps because everybody's Android phone has a different camera mount attached to it and different lens. So it's oh. kind of hard to build like a one size fits all for every Android phone. But uh, I'm sure somebody's figured it out. Like I'm sure Visco exists on Android. You could probably use that. Yeah. Anyway, that's the most recent app I bought. Thanks for the oh, question. Yeah. Thank you for that. Should we wrap up? Should that be it? Yeah, why not? Thank you all who sent us these questions. It's always fun to do this kind of stuff. Yeah. We also, just to be clear, there are more questions people asked. Uh, those will just like hang out in the wings for the next time we do a Q&A. Yeah, exactly. We'll keep them for next time. I'm really excited to play more Ruin King. You've, you've intrigued my curiosity even more. Dude, it's pretty good. I'm liking it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Uh, I kind of bought it on a whim. It happens to also like it's like a nautical fantasy RPG that stars all the characters I was like curious about from playing Wild Rift. So yeah. like someone has my Excel spreadsheet of data. <laughs> it's like, how about this? 
Yeah, it's very it's it's a very interesting thing. So I'm excited to talk about that next week. Do you have anything else that you're playing or like excited to talk about next week or whatever? Um, this is really just like preparing for Goaty mode. So I've been revisiting a lot of older stuff. I did randomly play Skyrim again as I'm destined to for the like anniversary additions they added. Me too, Steven. Yeah, it's 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 fine. It's fun. I, I was actually thinking about talking about it next week because I, I was looking around and I so they have mods on the Xbox version, which is great. And we've talked a lot about that. We had our yeah. bonus about it, et cetera. But I guess the thing that I kind of was disconnected from was the creation club side yeah. of Skyrim, which is like paid DLC that is by modders, but also by Bethesda themselves that adds like not only new armor and the kind of stuff that mods add, but also like entire new game modes and entire new mechanics within Skyrim. Um, so this anniversary edition came with fishing and a bunch of other stuff, but it also added like survival mode, which I didn't even know was a possibility in this game, but it's like literally what you think it is. You have a hunger meter, you have like a cold meter, you just have to try and not die in Skyrim. You're not really like like you're doing quests and stuff, you're playing Skyrim, but it adds this whole extra layer that's almost like, I don't know, rust adjacent or something, which is kind of wild. Yeah, they had a similar thing in Fallout, which like you had to like get proper sleep and like ammunition was scarcer and you had to eat and it made you, it really worked in Fallout too because it made you like as desperate as everyone else was. Mm -hmm. So like the morality was, was sometimes you just have to do something to survive yeah which like worked i think skyrim has been out long enough and i've played it enough that i would love to try that out just like i want to make a character who is like just trying to make it in the woods like that's it <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you know no no dovakin nothing just i want to survive yeah you could do the alternate start mod also and add it which to is that. fantastic and then you could like literally start in the woods not as the dovakin and just see if you could do it i i didn't I wasn't able to play, I don't think I had a Series S yet when we made the Skyrim bonus. I now have been able to download all the mods you were talking about, and Alternate Star is so cool. It's really good, yeah. 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 I just started a new character uh, as soon as the Anniversary Edition came out. Nice. Yeah, so I've been playing that. Um, I've been playing DS stuff. Um, I, I got a few, I, I got Mario Kart DS finally and uh, Elite Beat Agents, so I've been playing that off the show. Nice. Um, I don't know if I'll, with the DS games, I'm not sure, like, you and I are going to bring everyone we're playing to the show in anticipation of the season five premiere in June. Uh, I do think you'll see plenty pop up because it, yeah. it will be stuff we're playing and everything, but I'm going to keep some kind of just to myself just to keep that episode surprising. But yeah, kind of like we did with Game Boy Advance, like there were Game Boy Advance games that came up well before we even revealed that was going to happen. So expect a similar thing you might hear like here and there ds games and then we'll do our episode about it later i'll just shout out one that i've been playing a little bit that sure i think has huge potential steven it's called contact have you heard of it mm. no i haven't uh it's by atlas and grasshopper manufacturer who uh you probably know from like no more heroes is kind of the oh, big yeah. thing let it die killer seven that studio so it is very much unlike those games and is much closer to essentially being like what Mother 2 and 3 were trying to do. Um, wow. Which is kind of interesting. Not really what I was expecting at all. But the most interesting thing is that it came out the same year as Mother 3 and sold like terribly. So first of all, this game came out on the DS. Mother 3 came out on Game Boy Advance, which I didn't even realize they were both like still releasing or the GBA still had like huge tentpole games like that coming out while the DS was also out. Yeah. But that said, a lot of people say that this game kind of got like hidden 
from the public eye because Mother 3 took all the attention. But Contact yeah. is very much trying to do a similar thing. So I'll be interested uh, to see how you feel about it if you check it out at some point. Uh, I don't want to say much more about it outside of like it feels a lot like an Earthbound. Hell yeah. There there are so many Atlas games on the DS. It's really interesting. Yeah, they were just dumping games onto that thing. It's wild. Yeah. Also, speaking of Atlas, uh, really exciting news. Our beloved 13 Sentinels, <laughs> Igus Rin, yeah. has just been ported to Switch. Well, it will be available on Switch in April, Aries season, of 2022. Yeah. Uh, so early April, you'll be able to get that on Switch if, you, if you've been wanting to play and have been able to. I know a lot of people, a lot of people texted me. People were very excited. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad that that game will get more eyes on it because it's wonderful. I'm so stoked for that to be on Switch. I mean, the amount of times that we said this should be on Switch, like while we were playing it and also doing the bonus episode and stuff, I mean, it it is like, it's going to be right at home on that thing. I feel like this is such a good thing that we're now not gonna get persona four or five or three on switch (laughs) it was one or the other yeah but honestly i'm really happy like because this is a game that i think went really under the radar that deserves to be like celebrated yeah for what it's doing narratively so i'm excited more people will be able to play it other than that yeah nothing nothing too much oh i'm I'm still playing my shining pearl nuzlocke i just defeated the second gym that's been really fun yeah I will probably stream that a couple more times, um, but then I'll be like gone for a month and a half. So uh, that will that will be on pause for a bit. But we'll, we'll res- it's a it's a low key thing. We'll resume whenever. But it's off to a pretty good start. I'll say that much. Yeah, all those episodes will be on YouTube by the time you hear this. Yeah, um, that's basically it. I think uh, there are a couple more games that I have been able to play yet that I want to before Goaty. But really, it is just like we're we're shockingly close to the game of the episode. I have to make the art. I have to replay games that came out in March. I have to get in the zone. It's time. Yeah. It's uh I'm it's excited. Big. I'm excited for it. Yeah. Yeah. We're traveling to record it in person, which is gonna be fun. I can't wait to see you both. It's gonna be so fun. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for this episode of Into the Aether, <laughs> a low-key video game podcast. Thank you all so much for listening to the show. Hey, we have a, a website that you can go to. It's into the cast.online. It has our links to everything. That's Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch. Uh, and also the Discord, and also our Patreon, uh, which thank you to everybody who's back in the show. As we say every week, if back in the show negatively impacts you financially, please do not back the show. It is so okay to not back the show. Uh, but thank you to everybody who's doing so. If you back the show, you also do get occasional patron bonus episodes, like the Secret Guardians of the Galaxy one that we just mentioned, and others which just kind of pop up randomly. I think you and I have one pseudo-planned, if all works out, uh, for December. We have one planned for this month, and I have one planned for early next year at the very least yes oh yes and i think we're gonna work out merch one day soon i keep saying that but one day it's in the works yeah i'm working on it yeah that's it that's the show that's it that's it that's everything steve and i are going to take a break for a while and eat some food and then uh we're gonna record another episode which is fun we're that's right we are uh doing a double today yeah this month's bonus will be about tales of arise very excited to record that i will see you brendan soon and uh, dear listener, we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Have a wonderful Bye. week, everybody. Have a wonderful day and week and month and year. Life. Life. Goodbye. Online.